Today's lesson kind of came about uh, as a result of, first of all, we're finished with 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Yay, we're finished. <laughs> you guys did a good job getting through 1 Thessalonians. And we will go on to 2 Thessalonians because those, uh, those obviously kind of fit together. But in between, we're going to do a few things on various topics. And I wanted to do one on bearing one another's burdens and not growing weary in well-doing. And so that's from Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. We're actually, I think, going to, we'll read verses 1 through 10, but we'll especially be focusing on verses 6 through 10. So let's go ahead, if you have your Bible, and uh, let's go ahead and stand as we read God's Word and see what the Lord has to say to us and ask Him to speak to us today through his words. Now you got to remember this is Paul and we're in a different book. So he's concluding his book, uh, which he has spoken very much about the freedom that we have in Christ. And he's spoken very eloquently about that the only gospel is a gospel by faith in Jesus Christ through grace and not by works. And so he kind of ends up closing his book with these words. He says, First of all, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you are to spiritually, uh, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then let reason let his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Then verse 6, Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh, will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us to do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have here today to look at your word to look at something new, something fresh, something we haven't seen for a while, and to have you speak to us. And we want you to speak to us today. And it could be that as we go through this, you speak to me in one way, you speak to another in another way. All scripture has the same meaning, but how they affect us, how they apply to our life can be different. And so I pray that each of us would have a heart where we are listening to you today that we are asking the question, what do I need to get out of this today? What is your message to me today from this scripture? And if we discover what that is and are obedient to it, then we will have rejoiced in knowing your will and we will be your servants in this world. And that's what we want to be. So we pray for your help and guidance. And we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I kind of got started on this. Uh, part of it was through our study on uh, Wednesday nights in the book of James. Uh, he says something very similar to 
uh, to Paul in his book here. Uh, in verse 7 and 8 of chapter 5, he says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the day of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And so both of these have to do with reaping a harvest and uh, making sure that we do not grow weary of doing good. Now, I know I don't even have to have a raise of hands, but I know just from experience <laughs> that these past six, seven months have brought some weary times upon us at, at various times. It's almost unavoidable. It's almost unavoidable because you take, uh, you take kind of a conglomeration of what we've been asked to do. We've been asked to wear masks. We've been asked to stay at home. We've been asked only go out if necessary, only go out if it's an emergency. We've been asked, and some of us have been asked, you can't see your folks if they're sick in the hospital or the nursing home. All of this, I think, brings some weariness upon us. And the message, of course, today is that we are to bear one another's burdens and not grow weary in well-doing. And so my hope today is that from this scripture that we can find encouragement to keep on keeping on, keep on doing the things that we need to be doing. Even though we've kind of been locked up in our homes, even though we've kind of been uh, wearing masks and we feel confined, we feel constricted, this is not the first time that Christians have gone through similar types of situations. I was looking up different missionaries and different missionaries at various times have taken the gospel to nations where it has been extremely difficult for them to go. I was thinking of William Carey. William Carey was probably the first modern, so to speak, missionary to go to India. And they, first of all, they told him, well, you don't need to go to India if God once those people saved, he can save them without your help, which is not true, right? He has entrusted us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no angel, there is no writing in the sky that's going to do it for us. He has chosen us to be the ones to take the gospel, even to very difficult lands. And so India, of course, is a very difficult land to take the gospel to. Just the fact that a missionary must cross international lines and now they are entering into a new zone of possibly getting some kind of infection right just like us i mean we're experiencing that that now for us to leave one house and go to this place we are taking a, a chance that we might be infected but they did it because they knew that it was god's word that we take it to the nations and so we must not grow weary in well-doing. We must continue doing what we're doing. That doesn't mean we don't do it smartly, right? We can still do it smartly. We can still do it in, in the way that uh, is smart and yet effective. And so just getting back to the scripture really quick, we are commanded in verse 2 to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We're supposed to be here for one another. And so if we have an opportunity, if, if we are feeling like we are weary and we need help, we are to go to our brothers and sisters in Christ and they are to help us to carry those burdens. But so many times, what do we do? We continue to isolate ourselves. Has anyone noticed that 
after we shut down for a period of a few weeks, it was kind of hard to come back to church. I've had, I have had people comment to me like that. It's a little bit more difficult to get up and go. And we need to be sure and express that to one another so that we can bear one another's burden and, and help people and encourage them to do the right thing. And so we bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then just to get into our main scripture today, uh, one of the things we want to remember is that as we bear one another's burdens, we don't grow weary in well-doing. Your reward is coming, so don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up spreading the gospel. Don't give up encouraging your brothers and sisters in Christ. It could be through a card. It could be through a phone call. There's a lot of ways of contacting people without physically have to be in their presence. Your hard work will eventually pay off. That's exactly what the scripture says. John chapter 15 says that we will bear fruit if we abide in Christ, right? If we remain in Christ, if we are in his word and we go to other people, we will bear fruit. We are fruit making machines <laughs> is what we were designed to be. When we were born anew, we were born to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but what? The laborers are few. So there is, there is a harvest out there. This is one thing that has been concerning me and why I bring this up today is that I do not want to grow weary in well-doing, but I want to persevere in sharing the gospel however and in whatever means we have available to us to do that. So pretty soon we're going to be meeting as our outreach committee and we're going to come up with some more ideas for the church and how we can do that and do it safely. And we will continue to do this. We will not give up. We've been commanded by the Lord Jesus and when we've been commanded by the Lord Jesus, there will be a way for us to do it, right? I hope you agree with that. And so our hard work will pay off eventually. We will bear fruit. But let's go and look at a couple of these other verses that lead up to uh, verses 9 and 10 as well. I'm looking at verse number 7. Verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he also will, re also will, re will reap. So it says here very clearly, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Do not be deceived. God cannot be deceived, right? That's basically what they're saying. He's getting ready to say, you need to focus and invest in things that are going to be eternal rather than of temporal value. And we cannot deceive God. He knows exactly what we are doing. He knows if in our heart we're faking it. He knows if we're just coming to church because we're expected to come to church. He knows if we're just going through the motions and maybe we're involved in ministry, but it's not with a full heart. He wants us to have a full heart and everything that we are going through. I believe God has a purpose in that, in that he's trying to take a divided heart like we have and he's trying to flush out the things of the world and fill it fully with his Holy Spirit so that we will have a full heart. Amen. He knows our heart. He knows it. He knows it's divided and he knows that it can be better. Jeremiah 17, 10 says, the Lord searched the heart and tests the mind 
to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his, de of his deeds. God is so very interested in his heart because he is more interested in why we are doing things than what we are doing. There are a lot of people who can do the what, but there are only some people who have the heart and will do them in the way that he wants them to be done. And how does he want us to do things? He wants us to do things for his own glory, for his glory. It's not about us. <laughs> it's not about us. I've said that before. You've heard that from other preachers before. Our serving out in the community, our serving for Christ, our doing these good works, which we should do, it's not about us, but it's about Jesus Christ. And so why do we do these things? When is our heart at 100%? Our heart is at 100% when we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we do everything because of that love for him. It's what John talks about in 1 John. He says, perfect love casts out all fear. When we love God perfectly, there'll be no reason for us to fear him because we are doing exactly as what he says. Do not be deceived. What you sow is what you will reap. How many plant crabgrass and expect beautiful red tomatoes? <laughs> I plant red tomatoes and I don't even get red tomatoes. <laughs> I get split tomatoes. I get parsley red and green tomatoes. I get rotten tomatoes. But no, you don't plant crabgrass and you expect to get beautiful red tomatoes. How many plant weeds and expect to get soybeans? <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. So the point of this is, is that don't be deceived. Don't focus on temporal things like money, fame, lottery, power, hobbies, because those things are all going to fade away. We go over this time and time and time again, but it's, it's probably a problem in your life, and it's a problem that always creeps back in my life as well. And I'm not saying that you should never have any kind of leisure time. I, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that is the bulk of your life focused toward doing what Jesus wants us to do in the king, kingdom of God, or is it on things of the world? The world says, grab all the gusto you can because time is short. They understand that time is short for them. They understand that time is short for them to grab everything that they want to do and have all the happiness they want to do. They have to get it in quick. They have to get it in soon because they know it's going to end when they die. They have no hope for eternal life. We, on the other hand, know that this is such a short period of time compared to the eternity that we are willing to suffer for this short period of time to have a greater period of time that we can worship God. Jesus, of course, puts it just the perfectly way. He says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. See? <laughs> See how the heart involves is involved in everything if you are building things up temporarily on this earth that are going to fade away and corrupt 
It shows where your heart is. Your heart is in those things. But if you are willing to spend just a short period of time on this life building into God's kingdom with eternal things, which are what? People. People are the thing that's going to last forever. Stories that we tell about how God saves people and miraculously heals people, those are going to last forever. Those are the things that we are expected to invest our lives into and should spend the bulk of our time. You know, I, I speak about hobbies and probably people think, well, you have no hobbies, you never do anything fun. It's all about church, work, you know, witnessing. Uh, I do think about those things a lot, but just about everything you do can be turned into a work for the kingdom of God. And so if you have a certain hobby, do that hobby for the kingdom of God. If you like to go skiing, I, I remember this because we did this once. I was involved with a group called the Navigators on Campus, and we took field trips, and we, did, you know, we went camping and things like that. But those camping trips were spiritual retreats where we got up and we had quiet time together. And we went on a ski trip one time to Colorado, and uh, we were all learning to ski. And, you know, out in Colorado, you're not on a ski lift for 10 minutes. You're on a ski lift for 45 minutes. And they said, pick someone you don't know and take that 45 minutes to get to know them and share Christ with them. You see how everything in life can fit together and doesn't have to be of the world, but can be of the kingdom if we turn that focus that way. And so don't expect to invest your time and money in the temporal things of this world and reap eternal life. Motive is important as, as well. What we do, why we do it is important as well. So to the spirit and not to the flesh. Verse eight, what is the flesh? It says, it says to sow to the spirit and not to the flesh. Well, the flesh is that part of a Christian that is still drawn toward the world. So you, if you remember Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2, uh, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you first become a Christian, and maybe even in some older Christians' lives, we still have a pull toward the world, the things of the world, those things that provide temporary happiness, those sins uh, of lust and, and, and doing those types of things. And so we don't sow to that. We don't feed that flesh, but we sow to the spirit is what he says. He's given a negative and then a positive. I, I loved what, uh, I think it was John Yates is his name on FBI. He talked about this. He said, uh, talking about the exodus, obviously, which is going to be a patterns of evidence, the exodus. But he said that when God took Israel out of Egypt, he was taking Israel out of Egypt. When they were in the world, world when they were in the wander, wilderness, <laughs> excuse me, when they were in the wilderness, wilderness, God was taking the Egypt out of Israel. And we go through a process like that as well. We go through a process when we're first a Christian where the flesh is still dominant. We've got the new spirit. We've been born anew. But there's a pull and maybe there's a lack of knowledge of how we should even act as well. 
And there's a pull to this side, but God wants us to this side. So he says, sow to the spirit, not to the flesh. Feed, feed the things of the spirit. Sowing to the flesh reaps corruption and things that will not last. You may have short-term success, short-term happiness, but it will not be lasting and will lead to eternal destruction. Sowing to the spirit brings eternal life. It means that we focus on the things that will last for eternity. Do things with the right attitude for God's glory. Then finally, we get to verse 9. It says, do not grow weary in doing good. Do not grow weary when doing good. And I, I've got just a few tips down here about how we can do this. Rest when God says it is time to rest, right? <laughs> he gives us a day of rest. So build that into your life. Build that into your life. Now, I believe about the Sabbath that Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath on the cross. He fulfilled the Sabbath on the cross. He now calls us to enter into his rest because he's done all the work. So he has fulfilled the Sabbath in the sense that he did all the work necessary for our salvation. And now we can rest in him. So work and fulfilling God's commandments is not actually work. <laughs> if we do it right, if we do it right, do it right, it's a rest. It says his commandments are not burdensome to us. And so when we do, uh, when we do certain types of ministry events, we have to check our heart. You know, am I doing this out of drudgery, or am I resting in Christ in doing this? And that makes all the difference in the world. It really does. Just a little flip of the switch, little flip of the attitude that says, I'm going to do this for God's glory and for the church's edification. And you'll be surprised how much joy you will take in doing that ministry work. Amen. But if you are compelled to do that somehow, maybe I say, well, you got to be there, <laughs> which I don't think I would ever say, but you got to be there for this. Then it becomes drudgery, right? Then you're not doing it for God's glory, you're doing it for Rob, and that's not right. You got to do it for God's glory, for Him, because of you love Him. Remember, the joy of the Lord is our strength. That great joy that we have, knowing that we're Christians, knowing that we're headed to an eternal uh, rest in heaven, we're going to eternally be with Christ, is our joy, and it will never go away because that salvation never goes away. Don't grow weary in well-doing because we will reap a harvest. We will reap a harvest. Amen? Yes. We are going to reap a harvest at Freedom Baptist Church. And I mean souls coming into the church. We don't know if it's going to be next week. We don't know if it's going to be next year. But we will reap a harvest. Remember Paul said about reaping a harvest. He said some plant, some cultivate the ground. Some water, God gives a growth. So we have certain things we need to do, right? We need to be preparing the soil of people's hearts. We do that with, kind, with acts of kindness toward them. We let them know that we're Christians, that we're different. We let, we, we let them know that we're genuine without being hypocritical. And that's the beginning of planting and preparing the soil in their hearts. And then we begin planting seeds. We drop in little scriptures to them about how great and awesome God is. 
about what Jesus did for us on the cross. And they begin to hear the gospel and then we water it. We see some signs of spiritual growth and we water that. And then, lo and behold, God gives the growth and they're born again. <laughs> they are born again and their life is forever changed. And so we never give up. We never give up on this. We struggle through it, even through its, the difficult times. Uh, even though it's more difficult to meet people, we do it. True believers never give up. Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will bring it completion at the day of Jesus Christ. We don't give up because, that is, because he that is within us does not give up. Have you given up? Feel like you're knocked down sometimes, but you get back up, right? And that happens. There's a verse, I probably can't remember where it's at, but um, it's in Psalms, and I probably can't even remember how to quote it. But it says, uh, we are knocked down, but we are, do not fall headlong because the Lord holds us by the hand. Amen. Amen. We can get knocked down. We can get discouraged. Some of us have been discouraged. I know some of you have been discouraged during this time. But the Lord holds us by the hand. And he says, he says get up. Get up. There's still work to be done. Expect a harvest from him and expect a reward from him. Your reward from him is a relationship with God. Is a relationship with God not worth doing his work? I'd say yes, it is. We cannot purchase our salvation, but the more we give to him, the more time we spend with him in a relationship, the more we experience him and the intimacy that we have with him. 1 Timothy 4.8 says, for while bodily training is of some value, so those of us that try to do some exercise, it's good. It's a little value. It doesn't mean there's no value. Someone said that, that means there's no value in exercise. No, that's not what it says. It says compared to godliness, it has some value. But godliness is what we're after. Godliness is a value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. You can do physical training, and yes, it's good. We should do physical training but we should be doing spiritual training whereby we're becoming more conformed to the image of Christ and that is going to have a benefit for us in this life and the life to come. Amen. And you might say, well, how will it have a benefit to us in the life to come? I don't know exactly for sure, but I believe those who spiritually grow more than others uh, because they exercise their faith will somehow be able to enjoy heaven and be able to enjoy Christ to a greater degree. And so if that's true, then that's reason enough for us to expect a reward and to work toward a reward. And so here's how we're going to wrap it up today with our application. How, do we, how does this change what we're doing or does it change anything? Or maybe it just reinforces what we've already been doing. First of all, we do good to all people. Do you notice that? We do good to all people. What is the good we are to do? Things that last forever. 
pray for people, share the gospel with people, give so that they can have food and clothing and survive long enough to hear the gospel. You know, that's what some people need most of all. They just need to survive to the next day until a missionary can get to them and share the gospel with them. We take it for advantage that everyone here has the gospel. We think they, we think they have the gospel and they do have access to the gospel. The trouble in the United States is that Satan has placed a veil over the gospel so that people do not see it for what it is. But there are genuinely people, billions of people in the world who these next few months may not survive long enough to hear the gospel. And so giving to organizations like African Vision of Hope, and last night at the conference, I'm not sure it, it wasn't African Vision of Hope, it may have been Compassion International, but uh, there's opportunities for us to, uh, to share our wealth with people so that they can have food long enough to be able to hear the gospel. That would be one application. Do good to all people. Learn to share the gospel. <laughs> How many can share the gospel? <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Everyone who's been saved by the gospel should be able to share the gospel. Right? And we have training that we go through. And maybe we kind of fine-tune things and and show some ways, different ways to do it. But if you understand the gospel, if you understand that you have sinned against God and that separated you from God and that the only remedy is not our good works, but it's uh, a savior who came and died on the cross for our sins and he paid the penalty for that sin and he died for that sin. But on the third day, he rose victorious over that sin and ascended into heaven and now he's, commands everyone to repent and to believe in him. If you can say that, if, if you've experienced that, you can share the gospel. So how about we do this? How about we take a challenge this week? How about we take a challenge that this week we will share the gospel with one person this week? Write that in your notes. Rob challenges. This is a challenge. This is not a me dictating to you. Rob challenges us to share the gospel with one person this week. And some people will say, well, that's not a divine appointment. If, you, if it's your, I, I don't believe that. <laughs> this is my this challenge for me too. I have some neighbors who have yet heard to hear about Christ. Share Christ with someone this week. Let's not grow weary in well-doing. Let's not grow weary in sharing Christ. It should be the joy. It should be the high point of our day Amen. to be able to share Christ with someone. In due season, we will reap. I had a witnessing encounter once with a young gentleman. We were actually going through a training course called Evangelism Explosion. I don't know if you've heard it or not, but it's a very, uh, how should I say, it's very specific how they want you to prepare it. So I had it, I had it prepared, and I, I had it nailed down. And uh, the fellow that was going through the training with me as well, 
he, he had it pretty well, but he probably had not had as much experience witnessing as I, did, I had. So we, we went with our instructor. We went to a lady's house, and it was Gene. That, that's the guy I was training with. It was his turn to share the gospel. And he, he got through it, but it wasn't real clear. And, and it taught me a big lesson because she received Christ. <laughs> she received Christ. And it, it just goes to show us, this is what I wanted to show. It depends upon the spirit, not how smooth our preparation is, but it, it depends upon the spirit convicting that person. Present the truth, persuade as much as you can, but leave room for the Holy Spirit to do the work. So that's your, that's your challenge for we, that week, this week. It's a challenge for my week. I would love to come back next week and hear some of those stories. And so if you're willing to, you know, just tell me what happened. Uh, you can e either get up here and tell your story or you can tell it to me and I'll tell it. But I think it would be awesome. And here's another thing to learn about listening. If, if they say no, you have not failed. You have done what God told you to do, and God will be glorified in his word going out and him being praised for what his son Jesus has done. You have not failed. So we can share with confidence, and it's my prayer that we will do that this week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity we've had to, to see that we are to not grow weary in well-doing, but we're to constantly be drawing strength from yourself to do the work that you've asked us to do. And we pray that you would not only strengthen us this week, but embolden us to share the gospel. And I pray that we come back next week, maybe with some new people here who have said yes to the offer of the gospel to them this week by members of Freedom Baptist Church. That would be awesome. And I, I also pray that we come back with great stories of sharing Christ with people uh, that you might be glorified and honored. I pray that you would help us right now as we end this sermon and, and go into our time of response that if there's anything that we have not surrendered to you fully, that we would do that. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.